If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Hello, I am Randy Andrews, and today I'm live at O-Comic-Con with Billy Peck, and we're going to talk about the classic 1968 Planet of the Apes. This is in line with the release of War of the Planet of the Apes uh, that comes out in theaters this next Friday. Uh, We will talk the background, the cast, the effects... The info on Jerry Goldsmith and his contribution, as well as a neat little preview of War of the Planet of the Apes. All today on Soundtrack Alley. How's it going, Randy? I'm doing great. Good. Enjoying being here at Comic Con. Yeah, it's been, been a, a blast. I've had a great time. And, uh, yeah, we've been trying to schedule this off and on throughout the whole weekend. It's been busy. It's been fun. But I'm glad to finally sit down and be able to talk about one of my favorite franchises of all time. So, so one of the things I really found interesting about the background on Planet of the Apes is when they were doing the production side of things and they would sit around with the various people between scenes Mm -hmm. they would sit with their individual crews like the gorillas with the gorillas the orangutans with the orangutans yeah it's it's interesting like it 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 keeps it still that very uh secluded very uh segregated segregated Yeah. yeah yeah You know, which really touches on the themes of, of the movie and, and, and the, you know, just the structure of kind of life at that time. Yeah. And, uh, so, yeah, to, to know that that's kind of what happened. Like, I don't know if it was meant to be that way, if it just kind of naturally happened or what, but yeah. it's an interesting thing that they did. Yeah, it was... I mean, <laughs> I found it really funny in a way. And one of the things I found was that Ingrid Bergman was originally set to play as, um, like, Zira, the, the female sure. ape. She turned it down. Right. 
and she said that it was one of her greatest regrets yeah. uh, because it would have actually boosted her star power. Yeah. I mean, she also regretted missing working with Charlton Heston. Yeah. So. Well, you know, at that time, like, I suppose there probably wasn't a, a ton of, like, mainstream, you know, like, the movies, you know, starred by a bunch of apes. Yeah. You know, and and I just don't know that there was a whole lot of, like, starring type of roles where someone was in a prosthetic the whole time. You know, un- unlike something like Frankenstein, you know, years beforehand, or Wolfman, but, like, that's it's one person. Now you have a whole movie yeah. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, I bet it was just like, well, you're not even going to see my face. Why would I be in a, you know, ape costume with all these other apes? Like, who's going to watch that? Yeah. And then, like, Roddy McDowell, mm-hmm. he was in it. Yeah. And, uh, he recommended to his companions that they should add ticks and blinks. Yeah. Uh, facial gestures to add, like, a sense of realism. Yeah. To the him film. And, him and uh, Zira. Uh, I, I forget the actress that actually played Yeah, uh, I, I can't remember. Uh, it's um, Isabella. No, that's not it. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember. It's. I don't eh. think it's in my notes. Not a huge... Oh, no, it's Kim Hunter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> she took Valium every morning. <laughs> But yeah, like they, uh, they, those two really, you know, accentuated those those facial tics and yeah. whatnot, and really built character. Just you know, even without you know speaking, like you you could tell the difference of you know one eight to another just by their their yeah. facial expressions and yeah, or was, their movements. Yes, yes. Like you could tell by their son. Mm-hmm. Uh, that he had his specific way of moving, and yeah. you could tell yep. he was younger, and very much uh, so. It was just unique. I mean, and most of them did a great job, but just something about you know Zira and Cornelius—they just wow. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I really liked it um, that it said in my notes allegedly. Jerry Goldsmith wore a gorilla mask yep. as he conducted, yep. I, and I'm pretty I, sure he I probably heard that did. Too. And, and I think that's really cool. Like, you know, I, I I play in a band, and there's you know certain shows where, like, I mean, it's it, I try to bring a theatrical presence to it, and there's times where like I might wear makeup and whatnot, and it does put you in a different mindset. You know, it, it kind of gives you the the freedom to express a a character almost mm-hmm. that you may not do in your own skin. Yeah. So him creating this this very unique music uh, which at times like I don't even know if I could call it like music. It was you know? more sound. Yeah. Like yeah. he he used like <laughs> common like steel bowls mm-hmm. and Yeah hands and tools and and like I can totally yeah I can totally picture him like getting into ape mode with some pots and pans and just smashing them on the ground in some sort of rhythmic pattern to and then recording it and and I you just kind of feel that in it Mm -hmm. yeah and and when I was watching the audio commentary Mm -hmm. he was talking about that when when he had recorded the audio commentary it had been 20 years since he'd seen it. Oh, sure. And so it was 1988 
Yeah. When he recorded the commentary, and it's like wow. And he looks back and, and looks at the different areas of, of film. And one thing that really impressed me about Clan of the Apes is the fact that uh, a lot of scenes didn't have music. Right. They were silent. Yep. And it gave this realistic, more uh, identifying uh, feeling toward sure. other people to be there and... To, to see the scene and not be distracted by music. Yeah, definitely. You know, and uh, you know, I suppose to get into the, the music some more, um, one of the things that I really love about it, you know, like I said, you know, a lot of it doesn't even feel like music, per se. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm kind of going back to, you know, a, a sim, you know, the same word, you know, as, you know, with... Uh, Zero and Cornelius and, you know, the apes, you know, facial expressions, it, the music was expressions in, in itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, I was, I was actually talking about this with someone the other day, and obviously not done as, in a silly manner, but it, it's almost kind of like watching Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Where the music is expressing what their movements are, their feelings are, and I know that's kind of similar to a lot of films anyway the music's more to invoke an emotion on the the viewer where this like it it makes you feel like exactly what they are feeling and it it, the music is doing the talking for a lot of characters that you know especially like the humans yeah who don't speak you know them them running or like juking you know like a football player would like you know, like, you hear, like, those xylophone, you know, runs where it's just, like, you know, they're running and, you know, it's, like, yeah. you know, it, it, it's just... It creates a mood. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's it's really great how how he was able to do that. Yeah, I, I liked uh, also the fact that, like, at one point, Charlton Heston saw Kim Hunter without her makeup on. Yeah. Without her mask on. He didn't know who she was. All right, so... Um, one thing I noticed about the film was the fact that uh, the the woman that played uh, Nova, mm-hmm. um, Linda Harrison, yep, she was actually pregnant. Oh, uh, during I, the film, I don't think I knew that. Yeah, uh, she was she was pregnant with the producer's child. Right, right. the uh, Arthur uh, P. Jacobs, Richard Zanuck. Arthur P. Jacobs. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, it was starting to show at the end of the shoot, and so they had to carefully change, like, the positions of the shoot so that way you wouldn't notice that she was starting yeah. to show. Yeah, um, But And then another thing that really impressed me was this is one of the first films that had a major, big-scale merchandising tie-in. Like oh yeah! They started to have like yeah. all sorts of different toys. And Star games Wars kind of gets the credit for for film merchandise, yeah. but I mean, Apes came out you know almost ten years prior. Yeah. Maybe not quite. Yeah, but, yeah about uh, ten years. Um, yeah, 
like they had huge play sets yeah. and yeah, all kinds of figures and stuff and yeah, yeah. And then just recently, um, in the in the comics previews magazine, yeah, there's a new Planet of the Apes game that takes place and it's a it's got like little scale models of yeah. like the the Statue oh, of like Liberty a, and like a tabletop game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, I got and you. And I guess it just came out and that's pretty cool. Yeah, that it's still being you know made that's and, that's the great thing. Uh, you know, with with nerd culture nowadays, and you know, people wanting people have always wanted to own things from their favorite movies, and not everything has has been made available. Yeah, and uh, Apes is you know with these these new movies that have been coming out, and they've been really coming out with some some great things, whether it be books, comics, figures, games. It's it's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to see that because then uh, it draws more people to look at, like, the originals and see exactly... Yep. Well, what were these movies about? Why hey, Why are these new ones such a big rave? Full disclosure, so, yeah, and this is, this is why I think it is or can be important. You know, a lot of people, you know, get a little disgruntled nowadays because everything's a remake or yeah. this or that. Uh, and and the, the new films aren't necessarily remakes, but it's it's dredging up something old. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a, a new idea, whatever. Uh, you know, to, to some people. Um, growing up, when I was when I was a kid I had only seen like some episodes of the the TV series. Yeah. And I didn't like it. You know? And I was like, well, I don't ever need to watch Planet of the Apes. And I remember being in the theater and when Rise of Planet of the Apes uh, came on the screen and it, it, I didn't know what it was. I just saw, you know, the, the trailer. And I'm like, ooh, this looks really cool. And I'm a big, uh, you know, my favorite animals are apes and, mm-hmm. you know, gorillas, orangutans, whatever. And not knowing what it was, I'm like, whoa, this looks really cool, and it says Rise of the Planet. I'm like, what? This is an Apes movie? Holy crap, this looks great. (laughs) Watched it, fell in love with it, Yeah. and then on HBO, they had, like, a couple weeks or a month or whatever later, they had a marathon of all of the original films. I'm like, oh, nice. All right. (laughs) I really like this movie. I'll go check these out, and I was glued like I fell in love with it. So like honestly, I've only been a, a fan of this the franchise for a couple years. Yeah. But the original stuff is so good that like it knocked a lot of my favorite franchises down a couple notches cuz it's <laughs> yeah. so good. Yeah. Um and, and then I go back and watch the TV yeah. series and really like it and the cartoon and it's like all right, this is this is awesome. So anyway, like you were saying, you know, uh, it, it gives people a chance to maybe check out the original stuff, you know, or if you're a fan of the old stuff and going, what's all the big yeah. rave about this new stuff? Yeah. It all kind of works and helps each other out sometimes. It did me. Yeah. And, I mean, like, I like the fact that a lot of the uh, background stuff and, like, different set pieces, uh, like, it's, they, it's amazing. they added... They added so much the like, matte culture. Paintings. And, yeah, the matte paintings. Oh, the cinematography 
was absolutely fantastic. Oh yeah, it, it accentuates all those sets. Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah, it's amazing. Like having having them walk through that desert area. Mm-hmm. I think it was Utah or Nevada. I can't okay. remember. Um, but it was perfect the way they filmed it. And Jerry Goldsmith had talked about uh, the use of that. It was called the search. Mm-hmm. And they were searching for either technology or food yeah, or water, yeah. and they just kept walking and yeah. going through this desert area. And the music extenuates, yeah, yeah, extenuates that that feeling of of like utter like emptiness. Yeah, there's yeah. just nothing in that it's area. Cool. And um, but I I really liked liked it. Um, and then you see like little bits of older things that are even in Planet of the Apes, and Planet of the Apes was 1968. Right. And then uh, at one point, you know, they had Taylor being chased by the apes, mm-hmm. and uh, you see like this giant claw that's part of the architecture. That's from Forbidden Planet. Right. And I, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, it's it, 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 it it's cool to know that. You know, like they, you know, the, the creators of the first Apes film was like, hey, you know, let's throw in a little. Maybe it's a piece that was just laying around, and like, hey, we can use that. Or yeah. Maybe it was throwing tribute to one of the original, you know, sci-fi films. Yeah. And it's it's cool to have it in there. Yeah. But then when you start tearing it apart, you're like, I wonder why they put it in there. Yeah. And so it's just unique. I, oh, here it was. Um, it actually was Lake Powell, um, where the spaceship crashed, mm-hmm. uh, and it was by. Uh, it was on the Colorado River on the Utah Arizona border. So it makes sense why it was so desolate. Yeah. In that area, what do you like most about Planet of the Apes? Oh man, uh, I don't know, like. Uh, I, I think some really neat things about it is, you know, if you think about, like, what Charlton Heston meant at the time, you know, where you know, he's been her, he's Moses, he's, like, all these big, you know, uh, uh, you know, religious or whatever, like, larger-than-life, strong characters. And not that he's not strong in this, but, like, he, he, he he's... He's kind of, you know, he's weakened. Yeah, you know, he's 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 a, he's a guy on his own. <laughs> yeah, in a world that is completely unknown, ran by what he, you would think, are you know these primitive beings of like, you know, just like watching his true struggle of like, I'm hopeless, and just when you think like he's gonna be strong. And he, he finally, like, you know, he he, uh, he gets Dr. Zayas, you know, to basically, you know, hand everything over. And, and he's, like, he's coming out on top. Yeah. And then he goes and he sees the Statue of Liberty. And it's, again, it's just, like, the hero of the film does not win. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then, it, again, like, it's, it's a whole movie, you know based off of, you know, people that can't talk. Um, I don't know. It, it, there's there's a lot of things that interest me about it, but that, that's one of the main things, you know, is 
it, you know, you always hear like the hero's journey. Yeah. And his journey ain't all that great. No. <laughs> no, he goes through some really just terrible things. I mean, he gets shot in the neck. Yeah. And he can't talk he for a portion of the movie. He loses the only people that he knows. Yeah. Uh, I mean, know, one of the guys gets like lobotomized. one of the, Yeah. Like, he's like, you cut out his brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite lines in the movie because <laughs> it's just so... It's kind of funny because it's like... Well, they don't know any better. Yeah. So, yep. but it was uh, really unique. And um, I just like the fact that, you know, there's so many different, like, fade-ins and dissolves that they use in the film. Yeah. And it, and it makes it so, like, such a perfect movie. Sure, yeah. For it being a sci-fi. And then they see the crosses, or, like, oh, the yeah. X's. Oh, yeah, the, uh, you know, they're kind of like scarecrows yeah. and whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. almost like a border yeah. of saying, oh, this is the Forbidden Zone, yeah. and you're not it's allowed to imagery. go in here. Yeah. And, yeah. and creepy, and uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Yeah. So, um, you know, we talked a bit, a little bit about it. Uh, <laughs> Marlon Brando was once considered for the title role. I could okay. see it, sure. but I think Charlton Heston pulled it off better. He had that cynical personality yeah, yeah, yeah. that was just kind yeah, which, of perfect yeah, I love. Uh, sarcastic and, yeah uh, and, and he was terrible to his other teammates oh yeah like he yeah. was just awful it kind of kind of in a way makes me and I, I never put this together but it kind of makes me think of like Ash from Evil Dead like by the time yeah. he gets the army of darkness he's just like like you know hell to the king baby and I, I know it's kind of hammed up a little bit more but there, there's actually some kind of similar parallels. Like, I wonder if, you know, he's like, yeah. Charlton Heston, like, he's a man. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And he, uh, you know, I don't know. It was, it was It was a really, I mean, I I always enjoyed this movie. And, like, Ron, Rod Serling. Mm-hmm. I mean, he yeah, was involved. Yep, and, yep. you know, he had areas in uh, the Twilight Zone mm-hmm. that reflected some of the things that were happening in Planet of the Apes, a couple of the episodes I could see that there was influences from the Planet of the Apes. For sure. And uh, I found it interesting that uh, the film takes place in March 2673 and from November 25th, 3978 to 3979. Yeah. So it was like, it was a like an interesting dichotomy of saying, okay, this is super far future yeah that you know we would never see or you know we, we'd see but you know it's it's so out there that it's perfect to make it that way yeah um and then Roddy McDowell he had been in the Twilight Zone mm-hmm. um people are alike all over and he actually played an astronaut crashing on a planet yeah. taken over by human like aliens yeah. And so it was very similar to what um, <laughs> what Planet of the Apes was. So. Right. Yeah, and then, you know, like, what Roddy McDowell's meant to the series as a whole. Yeah. I mean, he was in, in one way or another, in every film of the original series. He wasn't in the second one, but he did voiceovers. Then he was in the television series, mm-hmm. you know, as a... And, and, 
you know, so he played Cornelius for the first three films, and then he played uh, Caesar, you know, afterwards, and then he played, uh, oh crap, what's his name in the TV series? I'm drawing a blank. I can't remember. Um, I don't anyway, think it's in my notes. Uh, but, like, he plays three different characters, and they all have three distinct personalities. Yeah. And, and again, it just shows, you know, the, the testament to, like, how how well he did, you know, going back to those facial tics and expressions and the way he walks and everything. And, yeah. He made each character his own to be a different character and still the same voice. Right. So I, I found that really unique. Um, one of the things I still haven't gotten around to actually doing is reading Pierre Bowles' book, the original novel. I have not either. I'm not a big reader. Yeah. Um, I did buy the book because I, I would really like to see the differences because I, I guess there are quite a few. Yeah, know, I guess there's the to... there's twi- a twist ending uh, slightly from the film. Uh, the spaceship crew lands on another planet. It's mm-hmm. not Earth. Um, the main character, Ulysses, <laughs> I, that's ironic, he escapes from the ape authorities with Nova. They return to Earth only to find that it's undergone the same evolution, which is really <laughs> interesting. And then the novel adds a further twist that Taylor's story has been told as a flashback after he and Nova fled to Earth. Hmm. And I found that really interesting that uh, the whole idea from the novel is kind of a blending of the original Planet of the Apes and the uh, Tim Burton remake right? that hadn't come, come along because in that movie, Mark Wahlberg goes to return to his quote-unquote universe yeah. and it's inhabited all by apes. Yeah. And so, you know, it really shows that maybe they were trying to blend those two together. Mm-hmm. And not successfully, but sure. they did it. Um, so, what we can look at, you know, how did, when you first saw the ending to Planet of the Apes, how did it affect you? Well, you know, there, there's, there's certain movies that, like, you know, uh, being being younger, not seeing them, and especially for me, not seeing it for many years later because I didn't honestly give it the chance it deserved. Yeah, you end up knowing what the ending is just because you know, like, I'm in tune with culture, so mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, and you know, it it's still even knowing, you know, with a spoiler, you know, thing like, oh, he, you know, sees the, you know cut in half or, you know, decomposing or whatever, you know, half-buried Statue of Liberty, and uh, even knowing that that's going to happen, and still just, like, the journey, like, that that film takes you on, you you still feel like there's no, there's no hope, like, it, it makes you feel like, man... You know, we are kind of bad. We do yeah. we we do things to each other that you know we shouldn't, and, and you know, like it, it's stuff that's really it's always happened. Uh, you know, and not to get into you know like negativity or political stuff yeah. or whatever, but you know, it, 
there, there's times where we bring each other down and we don't really need to and I know it's it's a film and it it you know brings it up to a, a you know, bigger thing than maybe it really would be but like you know it, it, it's almost like Civil War yeah you know yeah and and it, it's a film that actually makes you think yeah and it's a deep film it's not it's not a light you know airy no, no. fun 60s film it's kind of dark and yeah it, it has some some elements to it that really uh, test your your knowledge or your way of looking at life yeah and uh, reevaluating it so um, yeah I, I mean I really found it it was super effective and I had I had the first time I saw Planet of the Apes I didn't really have any thing going into it sure like I didn't really know the ending I didn't know what was going to happen because I had never seen it sure and I had never seen anything revolving around it okay so I rented it one day watched it and I was like wow that's an impressive ending yeah and it really showed whoa he actually is on the same planet he's not on an alternate planet and that is yeah that's the other thing you know Realizing, you know, at whatever point it is in the film that now you're you're actually on Earth. Yeah. It's like oh, and the plot thickens. Yeah. And then to see that, oh, we just did it to ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So what I'd like to do now is get into kind of the soundtrack portion of the show. Sure. Um, one of the things I did when I watched it recently was have the audio commentary with Jerry Goldsmith on it and it was really interesting because he talked about uh, that he didn't use any electronics for the film he had it be like a very organic impressionistic score and and it was unique and unorthodox being able to use instruments like jittery woodwinds and piccolos and uh, one of the things the director hated about it was that it had piccolos in it. Okay. But it made it more effective. So he was like, no, go ahead and keep it. I don't like piccolos, but, <laughs> but keep it in the film. Yeah. And that was the, one of the points that he brought out in his commentary was he was talking about that. And then uh, I liked the fact that he talked about the, the environment mm-hmm. and that there were no special effects, but the cinematography takes you on this journey. Yeah along with the characters and then at, at one point they had the stainless steel mixing bowls and um, for percussion and he used sound effects and different things and it just it made the movie so much more effective to have that music and then he also only used a 50 piece orchestra Yeah, and that was even impressive too yeah. because it's like he was able to get by with instruments and create a feeling sure rather than use a larger orchestra you know like a hundred piece orchestra mm-hmm. and so uh, it made it yeah. more effective um, what do you do you think of the music itself uh, yeah like I said uh, uh, yeah I mean I touched on a little bit of it earlier you know being by the way 
Yeah, we're we, make the little we, mention that, we like, need to make we're a, live a mention we are, we are live, so there's, we're in there's the a video podcast game. arcade lounge. Yeah. So if you hear arcade music in the background, that's what it's all about, and yeah. it's cool, and you know, you're fine. It makes it fun. Yeah, there's there's gonna be some stuff. So anyway, and it actually grow. makes it more more uh, organic to even hear yeah. that there are other sounds going on, and we're, we're talking the, about unique sounds to the oh, score. Yeah, <laughs> I have mentioned that. So, <laughs> uh, so um, yeah, yeah. Going back to the score, like I said, you know, kind of having that that you know almost Tom and Jerry, yeah, or Merry Melodies type mm-hmm. you know aspect to it of all all of their movements are are made in the sound uh, and you know especially with the, the mute humans or when when Charlton Heston is being chased around and, and his, you know his partners uh, Landon and uh, I forget the other one's name uh, yeah <laughs> you never remember their names because they I remember died. Landon, Landon I, just, I, don't yeah. remember, I don't know why I don't remember the other one at the moment but yeah like you know they're not like running around like yelling at each other or anything like they're all just running around, like running for their lives. You know, yeah. they're getting captured. They're being chased by apes, and at that point, we still we don't even know that the apes speak. Yeah. So yeah. it's we hear there's the no there's no dialogue. Sounds, yeah. You know, at, yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. And it, it's all played out through the the music, mm-hmm. and that's that's awesome. Yeah. I I love that about effective storytelling. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, what I'd like to do today, uh, I've got a few cues that I'll play. Um, the first is the main title, the search, and the hunt. And these ca- cues kind of capture that essence of these three remaining crew and that they seem to be in utter isolation. Mm-hmm. And I know we've talked about it before, so what I'm going to do now is just play those cues. Yep.
So next, I've got a couple cues that take place during the middle of the movie. Okay. Uh, it's like revelation and no escape. Yep. Because at one point, uh, Charlton Heston goes to try to escape, and he can't. Mm -hmm. And uh, it expresses how he kind of feels, like we mentioned before, that he feels so utterly alone yeah. in this environment that's out of his element and... He really feels like he is on another world. Yeah. And um, how desperate the situation is. Right. So what are your thoughts on that? Oh, yeah, I mean, you said it just... Sorry, that was a distracting one. <laughs> no, it, you know, again, it just it just goes to show just like how, like you said, you know, how desolate things are, how alone he feels. Uh, you know, but then at the same time, like, I can't, I can't help but go back and think about, like, and he, he he gets a little, you know, kissy-kiss action with old Zira <laughs> right in front of Cornelius. So, you know, I guess he's not having too bad of a time. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and he has, you know, that attraction to, to Nova and, uh, you know, they... You know, he—it's almost like he feels like, well, you know, if, if we need to repopulate, you know, the Earth, like, well, okay, I'm gonna have some fun. But yes, um, aside from you know some of those moments, yeah, it's very much like he's kind you of have, on his own. Face. You have nothing. Yeah, and you're probably never gonna get back to where you came from. Yeah, and later we find out that he doesn't. But yeah. But that's a, a good way to bring it out. So now I'll play Revelation and No Escape.
Lastly, uh, today is another end to an episode of Soundtrack Alley. It's, it's kind of short, but it's been a really good episode because we've talked a lot about uh, the film music. We've talked about the, the background. Um, these cues that I'll play here is A Bid for Freedom, The Forbidden Zone, and The Cave. Mm -hmm. uh, now, what stands out to me is how subtle the cues are. Yeah, and Jerry Goldsmith brought this out in his commentary too. That toward the end, he wanted it to be a subtle score, sure, and not something bombastic. I, and I was going to use the exact same. Word. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it's right. not bombastic, and, and that's cool. Again, like these are movies that came out, you know, a few years later. But Star Wars or Superman, yeah. you know, uh, and they they have some of the hugest, most iconic, you know, scores and themes to them. That I like the simplicity of of this. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not something you're gonna listen to every day. But, sure. like, if you want to go back and revisit this yes. score, it's, like, it's effective. Yep. And it makes you appreciate what they had, what they had to work right. with and how they used the, the instruments and different mm-hmm. tools and things that they used for the, the score. Sure. So. Yeah, I, uh, I own the, the store on vinyl. Oh, uh, nice. Mondo put out, put out a, a great edition of it. And, like, I'm not, like, a vinyl purist or anything, but I there there's certain scores or albums or whatever that really helps hearing it in that format, and this is one of them. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's really cool. Like, when you open the, the gatefold, it has, it has the sound effect of the doll going... Oh really? Yeah. So every time you open it, it's got that sound in it. Wow. And uh, so, but yeah, then listening to you know the the vinyl and and everything like it's again it it, it it's not like super clean sounding. You know, it has come some of those scratches yeah, and stuff in there, and and it it kind of takes you back to that almost primitive feeling. Oh yeah. And so uh, anyway, whoever you know. If, if you like that kind of stuff, like I would check out that vinyl yeah. to really, really further put you in the mood of what these songs mm-hmm. mean and how they feel. Yeah, and one of the things that I had researched uh, was the fact that Escape from the Planet of the Apes mm-hmm. is actually the most comprehensive score for like the five movie series. Yeah. Well, and, and I, think I mean, that's it, a it's good way of looking it's at it. yeah, absolutely. Um, it feels almost like a, a 70s sitcom or, you know, soap opera in, in some senses, especially like during the, uh, like the montages of yeah. them getting their, their modern day human clothes and whatever. Uh, so it, it's nice that they, you know. All right. So our last bit of music we're going to play, um, a bit of a bid for freedom the Forbidden Zone, and the cave. And then, uh, I'd like to thank you for being on the show. Of it's course. been great to be able to be here at Comic-Con yeah. and uh, really enjoy the whole podcasting experience because there's several podcasts around us. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's been, been a great time, you know. I, I know, you know, we're on the Podcast Arcade Network, but, uh, you know, for Comic-Con, it has expanded to including a lot of extra... Uh, podcasts, yeah, uh, and and just the community of it has been a lot of fun. So, yeah, uh, I'm I'm really happy that you know we got to do this show together and uh, that we've been able to interact with a lot of other great people and it's yeah. been it's been a great time here at Old Comic Con. Yeah, and so um, I'd also like to thank Jillian Orwall for my intro. Um, where can people find you, Billy? Um. Well, uh, if, if you want to check out the other podcasts that I'm mostly part of, um, undergroundinc.info uh, or uh, daydreaminstructionmanual.com, uh, 
all on Facebook, all on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, my shows and, and Randy's and all of the Podcast Arcade people through thepodcastarcade.com. And, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much where you can find the podcasts or uh, Billy Peck on Facebook or on Twitter, at Zombilly Horror. And, and you can find me uh, by emailing me at soundtrackalley at yahoo.com. Um, you can find the show anywhere, really. Yeah. iTunes, Podbean, Google Play. Oh, Google Play is only one word. Like, you have to put it in as only one word, no spaces in it. Huh. Um, I've, I learned that. Um, but one last piece of information before we actually... I let the music play its part. Once the music is done for the original Planet of the Apes, I'll be putting in a extra special suite from the new War of the Planet of the Apes. A special preview, as it were, for the release of War of the Planet of the Apes. So, pretty exciting. So, enjoy and happy listening.
Hello, my loyal listeners. I just wanted to let you know this is going to be a special suite that I've created from The War of the Planet of the Apes. Uh, It goes on for about 20 minutes. This is the brand new score by Michael Giacchino, and I just I wanted to make sure to give him credit uh, for the wonderful music that is found in this film. And it includes Apes, Pass is Prologue, Apes Together Strong, and End Credits of the brand new film for Planet of the Apes. So I hope you enjoy, and happy listening.
thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley, the podcast. I hope you take some time to review my podcast on iTunes and also listen to it on Podbean. And if you leave a review or rating on there, it'll help us get noticed on iTunes. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack Alley Spotlight. If you are on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Also, if you want to leave a comment, question, or concern, please email me at soundtrackalley at gmail.com and enjoy looking at my blog at soundtrackalley.com.